People have so many different interpretations of what describes the perfect love life. It can be hard to talk about how we feel. Until now, welcome to Pillow Talk with Cheryl, featuring host and relationship expert Cheryl Besner. Cheryl's kind of like your BFF, easy to talk to and frankly honest. Whether it's about love and relationships, sex and desires, she's here along with some great experts. Now, here's Cheryl Besner. Hi, everybody. I'm Cheryl Besner, your relationship coach and communication expert here on Pillow Talk with Cheryl. And I want to remind you that this is not the only way you can listen to this show. We also feature it on Facebook. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter because I'm always sharing things, ways in which we can spread some love and have open communication and You also get some techniques throughout the week, just like later on in the show. I always share with you some labors of love techniques, things to help you grow and expand and see things through different perspectives, because that's really what we're all about here. It's about having those conversations about life, love, and lust, things that we want to talk about and don't always feel comfortable talking about, but here is where you can do it. Also, if ever you want, you can reach out to me, 844-744-SOLO. That is my 24-7 love line. Same as a hotline, but sounds better when you use the word love in there. Now, when you reach out to me, you can also send me questions. And, you know, when I host my retreats and I do the workshops, my favorite thing is when we sit in a circle and people just ask questions and we respond to them or I respond to them. And then people also have open communication about it. That's what I love to do. So I'm going to share with you a question that was written into me. It came in through my website, CherylBezzer.com. And the email that I got, is from a woman named Valerie, and she wrote, Cheryl, I lost my husband two years ago at the young age of 73. I love that she said that. We had a magical romance for more than 50 years, and I know he was my one and only. Recently at the gym, a friend of mine who also lost her husband started talking about her new boyfriend and insisted I should get online and start dating, which I have no desire to do. Problem is, she won't stop harassing me about it, bragging about how great it is to be having sex like teenagers again, being in love. It's wonderful the second time around. All these things is what she keeps telling me. How do I tell her to leave me alone and understand how I feel? Well, you kind of said it yourself, by the way, Valerie. You have to tell her. And you have to sit down very nicely and say what it is that you seem to need in your life is not what I need in my life, that I've had my relationship and maybe yes, someday it will happen for me again and I'll just have to release to it. But it's not something that I want to go searching for. It's not something I feel I need in my life. And I'm happy for you that you have found what you need and that you're having fun doing it and that it's feeling good for you. And right now, It's feeling good for me to just be on my own, that my life is full the way it is, and this is where I want to be right now. So we should mutually respect each other, and that's how you should leave it. Because sharing your feelings is not telling somebody that you don't appreciate. It's just telling them how you feel and what it is that you need, and they can't argue with what you need and what you feel. 
Remember, please send me your questions. I really love being there to support you. And talking about support and giving wise words from down under. This is our segment that we do every week with our very own Dr. Phil, all the way from Australia, who joins us for the wise whispers from down under. Hey, Phil. Hey, Cheryl. Good evening, listeners. Great to be back and great to be sharing wise whispers all the way from Sydney, Australia. Yeah, no, Phil, I mean, it's interesting. I read this particular uh, email today about this woman because also what we're going to be discussing soon on the show with my special guests is going to be about the sandwich generation. That's what today's show is about. And this woman is at, you know, the the other end of the spectrum and and she has a friend kind of weighing in. But um, I I kind of want to like talk a little bit about even the children and how they might be feeling, which I didn't even address, you know, yeah. because when, when there is a loss, there are children in there as well and who end up possibly being part of the sandwich generation, meaning kids yeah. who are younger and older parents. Um, do kids get a say in whether mom or dad should date again? What do you think? What? That's a, that's, that's a really great question because I've actually experienced that. Um, I lost my dad when I was 25, so my mum was a, a very young 59 years of age. Um, yeah, so she and, and, you know, at that age of thinking maybe she should have had a relationship or everything, and I kept saying to her, I said, mum, you know, if you want to have a relationship, um, as hard as it may be for me seeing someone taking my dad's place, I said, you've got to follow your heart and you need to, you know, be full with that. And she goes, I've had two loves in my life and I am fine. Now, I'm not saying she never had any, any companions or any, um, you know, uh, people to hang out with, but it was very interesting in my, my sister's, uh, perspective on the same thing was way different because she hadn't actually dealt with the grief of my dad's passing. Um, so she, she was like very protective of mum. So it, it, from a child's perspective, it comes back. I think it's quite selfish if we, you know, stop that person or, or hinder that person's search for love, but we also need to respect their desire if they're comfortable without someone else in their life or if they are comfortable with someone in that life. And it's a very challenging thing. And I asked my mum at some stage, should she really need someone? She goes, you know what, once you've experienced the love that she'd experienced, she goes, you know, I don't know whether I'd ever find it again, um, but I'm comfortable with the love that I've had in my life. It's a really challenging thing. Um, and that way, I, I get a lot of people in the clinic asking the same question. So. But here's the, the, the interesting part. Well, first of all, I just want to make a comment that it's, um, and I'm picking up on words that are used, as always. And, um, you know, when we talk about it, even when it comes to divorce, about replacing somebody, you know, we're not replacing, um, the, the mother or the father is not replacing our other parent. They're actually, they're actually putting somebody else in their heart. You know, to to replace, not even to replace that person, but to fill the space of of the want for a partner. So I think that there's um, you know something to say when it comes to that. But here's an interesting thing: is for a lot of people, and especially men, like there's been a lot of studies that have been done on this. 
But a lot of men who come out of long-term relationships from loss, they actually rush to get another relationship because they, they, they so crave that connection. And when it's, and, and let me premise or let me preface by saying a good relationship, meaning that they were madly in love with their wives, that they, they love loving somebody. They love the relationship of communication and the touch and everything else. They actually want another relationship. And that's why they call it, you know, the, the pot, the meatloaf, uh, women and <laughs> the potluck women who show up at, at you know, men's homes when they've lost their wives and everything because they know that somebody else will step in and take that man and take care of him, especially, you know, older men and, and be that partner that they love having in their lives. Yeah. It's that's, that's, I guess that's the, the challenging thing being a male, because again, I see clinically a lot um, that males often don't do well after uh, divorce or death of a partner. Um, and Basically, you know, I think it shows that a, a great, and I don't remember the number offhand, and I wish I could pull it up right now, but um, it's a large percentage that, that especially, you know, much later in life, like in their 80s and 90s, yep. that, that they don't often last more than a year or so. They will often go close to their wives. I've, I've seen it with, with my other dad, my, my best mate's dad, who for most of my life was my other dad. And um, when his, his, his wife passed away, um, I said to all of their kids, which they had five kids, I said, I looked at him and I knew he wasn't going to last more than probably four or five months. And he passed away five months later. And the words that he used at um, his wife's wake, and, and they, they will rest with me for the rest of my life. And this was a man who was truly in love with this woman. And he goes, I feel like a butterfly with a broken wing mm-hmm. after her loss. And, and, and I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and just to see the, the, the grief that sat in his eyes and, and we could all feel it. And he said, he, he said that sobbing and it was, um, that's when I knew he was not going to stay around too long. Yeah. I, I, I hear it and I, and I see it. Interesting. Also just going back to this letter uh, from Valerie, I often you will also see, I guess it could be for both men and women, but I would probably hazard a guess and it's just a you know it's an educated guess that often uh, the uh, the woman in this in this email who's the friend who's saying you know it's uh, great and i'm having great sex and i i i can't couldn't i love having a boyfriend often those women are women who are coming out of a relationship with the passing of a husband that they took a lot of care, you know, that they were sick, you know, that they were, that they had to be a caregiver for a long period of time rather than the lover and, and the partner, you know, that they, do you, do you see that as well? Yeah, I see that. I see that a lot as well, because there, there are that, that type of personality um, that, finds themselves fully invested in the care of their partner if they're dying of, of a slow a slow death of some type. Um, and then they come out and they 
it takes some of them I've seen clinically, it's taken them a year, two years, three years, four years, and then all of a sudden they bounce out and they've gone, what about me? I'm just, and they, they're like, literally like teenage girls. And I've seen it with women in their 70s and a couple of women in their 80s. I definitely see it with women in their 60s. So, Well, this um, woman, obviously, she's seven, you know, she's 73 or, or I, I can't tell whether the husband died at 73 or she's 73. It sounds yeah. like him. So that means she's, and they've been together over 50 years. So that means she was like in her early 20s. She's from that generation where you got married yeah. quickly. So there's also... No, no, no reason why you can't take that time to be who you are, to, yep. to really appreciate who you are as an independent person. And she might change her mind in five years from now or three years from now and, and want that partner and want to have somebody in her life. But things will change. Phil, as always. <laughs> great conversation oh, it's great Cheryl great to be back on and great to be sharing wisdom from down under um, from down under don't forget Soulful <laughs> Reflections if you want his book it's on Amazon or you can get to it through his website Dr. Phil coming up we are going to continue talking with my guest today, Corey Sirota who's a loss and bereavement expert as well as Mac Del Vecchio who has a company that helps seniors transition with their family into the next phase of life. And we're going to be talking about how you can do that if you're part of the sandwich generation. That means you're between your children and your aging parents, and you're trying to juggle it all. And we're going to help you juggle life right after here on Pillow Talk with Cheryl. So stay with us. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. You are listening. 
listening to Pillow Talk with Cheryl. If you have a question or comment about the show, send an email to info at CherylBesner.com. That's info at Cheryl, B-E-S-N-E-R.com. Now, back to Pillow Talk. Hi, everybody. So we are here on Pillow Talk with Cheryl. And yes, now starts the intimate conversation that we have every week about life, love, and lust with our special guests. And let me introduce them to you right away because I don't want to miss one moment of this conversation because there's so much that they are going to share with you about how to balance life when you're part of the sandwich generation and help our loved ones move forward along with ourselves as a unit and yet dealing with all the different challenges. So first of all, Corey Sirota, she holds a master's degree in social work as well as a graduate certificate in loss and bereavement from the McGill University in grief, loss and bereavement specialist. And she's also the author of Someone Died, Now What? And that's a professional and personal perspective on coping with grief and loss. And she's joined today also by her co-hosts of a show that they host together, Life and Rehearsed here on CJD 800, Mac Delvecchio, and he's the owner of Lianus. It's a service that helps uh, helps place seniors and offers support as they transition into the new life. So welcome to the show, Corey and Matt. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Cheryl. So, you know, this is a very important part of my life right now. And I know that, you know, I've entered a stage in my 50s where I'm juggling a new romance. I'm juggling children. I'm juggling parents. And it's a really hard place for people to be. And, uh, Corey, I'm going to start with you because, you know, you wrote this book, Mm -hmm. Someone Died, Now What? And that had a lot to do with your own personal experience in this, right? So talk to us a little bit about how you felt and and how you kind of transitioned into a good place. Well, loaded question, but I know I an important one nonetheless. Um, for me, uh, anyone that looks on Amazon, you can find my book. You'll see that straight away it is dedicated to the memory of my brother. And so I often will say, what's a nice girl like me doing in a field like this? And it's because of my experience that um, when my brother uh, was killed in a car accident quite suddenly, I decided and realized there wasn't enough services in the community to help bereaved families. And here we're talking on this show about transitions and being caught in different um, life cycle transitions and recognizing that every stage of every life cycle transition really brings about challenges and how do you navigate it. So, in fact, the book itself is also about non-death losses because these changes that we're about to explore on today's show really speak to the what I call unwelcome change that happens in our lives. And, then, and it's interesting because it's not just unwelcome for us, it's unwelcome for the other people around us. Mm-hmm. And, and especially, for instance, with aging parents, a lot of what we have to do uh, to help them transition, and, and again, I know this from my own personal experience, is not easy. And that's really something that you deal with um, a lot, right, Matt? That's yeah. what come to you. They're in that space. Absolutely. So uh, we help a lot in that transition with moms and dads. And and you talk about the sandwich generation. You're actually 
a meteor sandwich generation, uh, Cheryl, because you're also working on a, on a new uh, relationship. Um, so that's another dynamic. But typically, a sandwich generation is for parents who have to worry about their own children. And then as they age, uh, they start worrying a little bit more about their parents, and thus the sandwich generation. And the focus is usually with the kids when they're younger. But as time creeps up, the responsibility of uh, the sandwich generation now becomes more and more for their parents. And as a result, uh, you get a lot more stress and uh, priorities shift. And um, uh, the term sandwich generation never existed just a few years ago, but now it is very much a part of uh, uh, that uh, range of people that have multiple responsibilities. And, and it's interesting also, um, you know, the term, when you think of it, you have two pieces of bread and then you have all the the, the accoutrements that you put within it, right? Whether it's cheese and ham and, and whatever it is that you want to put in your sandwich. And you're right. When it comes to a new relationship, it's like adding mustard to it, right? <laughs> that would probably be some Dijon spicy mustard. Yeah. Right. It's definitely a challenge. And especially, so let's talk about that for one second since we're on it. Um, because there are a lot of people that are, are there listening right now that are probably, you know, later in life in new relationships or in second relationships or third relationships where the the partner is not necessarily the in-law or the original in-law to those parents or parent to the children that are there, right? So that in itself is is another way in which you have to really, as you said, Matt, divide yourself. So do you want to speak on that for a second? Sure, yeah. And let's face it, divorce rate at almost 50%, uh, the dynamics change dramatically, especially when you're dealing with your specific mom or dad. And now maybe the stepdaughter um, has to take certain responsibilities and the dynamic becomes very challenging. And you would hope that the relationships are strong, but let's face it, not all the relationships are strong. So uh, just imagine uh, worrying about mom or dad and your own kids and then throw in uh, the dynamic of having a, uh, a second uh, spouse involved, it does make a challenge because you're, you're spinning way too many uh, plates and you're trying to please everyone. And this is where we see a lot in our world where uh, it just becomes too much and um, uh, it's the breaking point sometimes. So Corey, how do you find which way to prioritize and, and who's the first person that you have to take care of. Uh, I think you know the answer to this. I do know the answer, <laughs> but, but, I'm <laughs> but I'm letting you do yeah, the answer. So I appreciate that. May, <laughs> let me, make me look like I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But you answered it even with a question, by the way, priorities. I think there's two key uh, assets to the, uh, aspects to this. One is, uh, is creating priorities. And first and foremost, who's the person you take care of? Well, you take care of yourself. And I know this term, we throw it around all the time, self-care, self-care. Well, what does it mean? It means recognizing where your boundaries are and what you can and what's realistic. What is is a priority to you? Because, you know, I use the adage all the time with families. When you're on an airplane and there's a crisis, an emergency, and you need to put oxygen on, where do you put it first? On yourself. So if you keep that in mind, you cannot be any help to anyone else if you are not okay. So if you're not getting enough sleep, enough exercise, enough healthy nutrition, then I don't care what else is going on in your life, you will not be able to sustain it. So answer to your question, as you well know, is first and foremost, and 
taking care of yourself. And I must emphasize, there's a huge difference between being selfish and taking care of yourself. And this is so, this is not about being selfish. This is about taking care of yourself so you can be better at taking care of everyone else. But we also know that our children and, and Matt, I'm sure you're seeing this as they come, you know, people come to you and they are the children of, but then sometimes when I'll say to my kids, you know, well, I have to take care of myself first. They go, no, it's supposed to be the kids first. You know, I'm supposed to be your priority. Isn't that what you signed up for? Signed up for? What do you say to that, Matt? Yeah, very common. And we have to understand, too, that the priorities change with time. So I'll give you an example. The, the example you just gave is just parent and child. You know, throw in your parents into the equation and priorities absolutely start to shift a little bit. And so one example that I, that I like to give, uh, you know, helicopter parents, we, we hear about them all the time. And, and you know, there's Why the Why don't you define that for people? Because not everybody has heard that term. Okay, so a helicopter parent would be that parent that is hovering over your own children because they want to be the absolute best and nothing can go wrong. And you're just watching them, making sure it's, the, you know, getting a medal for... <laughs> every single participation you, 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 you go into and it's becoming too much. And the guilt on parents is amazing with the plays and the karates and, the, and it becomes too much. Throw in your parents now that all of a sudden have some care levels and it becomes, uh, where do you begin? So this is why priorities are absolutely huge. So you know what? That night where you have to go see mom and dad and your child is actually going to have to do homework by themselves without you overlooking it that's okay. In fact, they probably will benefit from a little of their own time and trying to do things on their own. So we have to shift our priorities in terms of where is number one. And I completely agree with Corey. I often use that analogy of the airplane and the oxygen. You've got to start with yourself because God forbid, if you get sick, then no one wins. Then it's even worse. And, and I use the same uh, analogy all the time, by the way. <laughs> I love that oxygen mask one, you know, and then you could just sit there and put it over your, your face and just breathe deep, right? That's right. <laughs> you know, one of the things is also, remember when you, I, I'm thinking of when you're talking about, you know, people coming to you and it's about their parents now, you know, that's role reversal, right? Because our parents, as we, we become more mature and as they age, there is a role reversal there where they become kind of like your child again, you know, without being, you know, without being, um, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking well, for. I guess con- not being condescending. but Without being answer, condescending. Yeah. Thank you for, for saving me on that one, Corey. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. Like it's without being condescending, but you kind of do. And, and I always say to my parents, it's, it's my, my pleasure. It's something that I want to do because what, of what I learned from you on uh, caring, you know, and being there. That's a life lesson that you taught me, and I appreciate it, and I want to show my gratitude for that. Is that not a way that people can look at that, Corey? I, I agree 100%. You're also talking about sharing and, and displaying a role modeling to your kids about what it means to be a responsible, caring, kind citizen, but yet also a family member. This is what we do in our family for others. And, you know, of course, who shows up in my office? People with very disenfranchised relationships. Very, they can be resentful of a parent because imagine the situation where you're doing it out of kindness, out of what your parents modeled for you, but not every relationship, as we know, is uh, all, all uh, ro- roses and butterflies. 
but that doesn't mean you you do what you feel in your heart. And I have to often help uh, families realize that the child, the adult child who's caught in the middle of this and maybe is resentful because they, they didn't get what they thought they should get. Okay, but you know what? That's what they did. They did the best they could. What is it that you need to do? And who do you want to be? And, and I always go to, at the end of the day, look down the road, five years, 10 years. Are you going to look back with regret or with um, a feeling of I did everything I could. You answer that question. I can't. I think each person has to ha- you know, ask that question and answer it for themselves yeah. in their own way. And I do think that with, with life and the way things have changed so much in the generations, that there are different lessons and people are reacting differently. And I think I'd like to talk about that coming up, really about how much to involve kids, what to show them, how much to incorporate a new person into your life, into the dynamic of this sandwich generation. And we're going to keep talking about this right here on Pillow Talk with Cheryl, with Corey and Matt right after this. So stay tuned. Don't go away. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listening to Pillow Talk with Cheryl. If you have a question or comment about the show, send an email to info at CherylBesner.com. That's info at Cheryl B-E-S-N-E-R.com. Now, back to Pillow Talk. I'm Cheryl, your relationship coach and communication expert here on Pillow Talk with Cheryl. And today we are having that conversation that you probably have a lot of questions about on the sandwich generation and Matt kind of explained that in the previous segment. So if you missed it, you definitely want to go back and hear that. We are joined, as I said, by Corey Sirota and Matt Del Vecchio, and let's continue this conversation. Now, just before, uh, Corey, we were talking about kids and how we incorporate them into the lives of taking our parents forward. And my question to you would be, how much time and how much emotional input should they have and how much should we expose them to when it comes to 
our aging parents? So I'm going to give you my favorite answer in the world, which is depends. <laughs> and but I'll say we're going to say that one too. <laughs> but it depends on what. And I will, share, in all fairness, share what what it depends on. That depends on the severity of what is going on, and their age level, and how much they can really comprehend and understand. So doesn't that make sense? That I'm all about transparency because. Even younger kids, if they see there's a change in the house and a dynamic, but they're not talking about it, the kids themselves will think, well, what did I do or what happened with me? They won't understand it. So I think that it's very, very important to include children in any conversation. And children can be from little, like uh, uh, age of reason, five plus, developmentally, what they will understand and won't uh, think or uh, traumatize them because I don't think they need to know every little nitty gritty piece of it. But at the same time, if you have a, a sick or elderly grandparent or their grandparent and you don't talk about it, they don't understand why is grandma not recognizing me? Why um, are, is everybody whispering around what's going on? So I think that it's, it's about the level, the age level, the developmental level of your children, and I will say hands down, parents, you know your kids best. So you know what they can handle and what might be a bit over the top, but at the same time, that conspiracy of silence is not protecting them in any way, shape, or form because they are just going to internalize it all and make up their own explanations about what's going on. So I think it is very important to be transparent with your kids. And doesn't it also contribute uh, or trigger a sense of compassion, you know, for, for elderly people and for family unity and supporting each other. What do you say to that, Matt? Yeah, it, uh, I, I have a, a story that was sort of respond to that. And it doesn't work in all situations, but we were working with a family. It was a, uh, a wonderful lady. She lost her husband a few years back and she was in her family home. And it was time to, it was just becoming too much to take care of the home. And the family, four kids, wanted to uh, to help her transition into a senior community and she wanted nothing to do with it. I want to stay in my home, but it was far too dangerous, stairs and mobility issues and so on. So we were touring around different communities. We got to one and the, the this was a first for me, the grandchild, a 10-year-old who this grandmother adored came along with us on the tour of the senior community. And we have, all you know, we're all professionals and we're showing all this and the four kids were also on the tour. And you know what it came down to? She asked her grandchild, Ashley, what do you think? What do you think I should do? And she goes, Grandma, you live about 50 kilometers away from me now. Now you're going to live one kilometer away from me. And her eyes just lit up. And she moved. She moved into that residence. I, I, in fact, I talked to her just last week. She goes, Matt, I should have done it a few years ago. You know, thank you, thank you. So kids can play an important role. And But like Cody said, at a maturity level where they get uh, to understand, when it's a little too young, um, they might think that, oh, my goodness, am I going to die now or am I going to be sick? But once they're mature, you know, um, tweens and teens, open communication is always best, fully explaining what's going on, particularly with cognitive issues like Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we, don't, we don't understand. They might be scared. Why are they repeating themselves? They're forgetting things. Communicate that this is a disease. This is not them. This is a disease taking over. So they could be a little bit more comfortable instead of running around. I don't want to go to grandma's or grandpa's anymore. Right. And I, I do think that there is very big differences between people who are just naturally aging and you want them just in a safer zone um, or, or having less pressure going into especially some of these retirement places where 
They're beautiful condominiums where they get a little bit of support. They have community around them. I think there's a big difference um, exposing our children to that versus people who do have other challenges like physical challenges and and mental challenges. Um, I I just want to touch on that a little bit because, you know, I can, I can talk from my own personal experience as well in, in reference to aging parents is I can also see that while I might be talking with them about, you know, where to go next, where's the transition, what would be helpful, what would really, you know, support you in this the reaction sometimes is, or same thing, you know, somebody got, had to go to the hospital and you don't get the phone call and you find out 24 hours later that they're still in the hospital in emergency. And it's like, well, you know, we're independent people. We can take care of ourselves. Um, you know, there's that struggle to maintain their independence and not wanting to feel that they're dependent on you, you know, and that you're almost taking something away from wanting to participate and be there for them. How do you find that resolve? Like how, how, I mean, I know how I did it, but I'd like Corey, you to touch on that. Um, How do you have that conversation of like, no mom, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, I care. Right. Well, I think that's probably better versed. I have seen it many, many times, but certainly uh, myself last year, my mom fell in Florida, broke her hip and had to be, you know, you can only imagine the whole nine yards. And I recently was asked to give a a keynote at a caregivers conference. And I was like, gee, what am I going to say? I do these support groups, but how am I going to do this? And then I realized, wait a sec, last year when this happened, I was in the position of being that caregiver and, and having to have those, they're, they're not easy conversations that you need to have. So for me, I think the ideal scenario, and we'll talk ideal case scenario, is to have the conversations before you need to have the conversations. Mm-hmm. So that you're not waiting for the crisis to happen. And when you're in more of a better frame of mind to say, look, I, I want to understand and respect what it is you want. What would you see for your future? Because I, that way they feel that they have the control over it because there is a reality of, of eventually the deteriorating health and physical cognitive where they will need to give up licenses, give up. Um, I was just, I just came from a caregiver support group where they're talking about moving the family homes. These are the partners and they're having a tough time with it. And so um, I think if we can help the, the adult children start those conversations with them and assure them that this isn't about taking control of your life, but it's about helping you manage. It's a safety issue. And, and you're right. And it is a safety issue, but Matt, there are couples and I'm sure you do see this a lot where families might be taking them to you to, to have your service in helping them transition where one parent is more taking care of the other. They might both be completely functional, but one needs a little bit more support than the other. And that can be very draining to the caregiver partner, right? So husband or wife is taking care of the other person, even if it's just a little bit more, you know, than, than you normally do because, you know, they fall or they need their medication or, you know, they, they, they get disoriented at different times that's draining to that person. How do you how do you work in transition to make the person not feel that they're they're a burden, but also for the other person to know that it's support and not taking control? Yeah, that's that's by far the biggest challenge, Cheryl. 
because uh, we're talking about it's only natural for everyone to want to stay at home. It could be the family home for a long time, forever. And uh, there's a lot of, I don't want to say denial, but it's they don't want to transition. They're in their comfort zone. So as long as we understand that going into it, and this could be uh, for the adult children, you talk about role reversal. Um, <laughs> this is very much role reversal conversations and a spouse because caregiver stress is a real, real thing. And one could get sick now taking care of the other. So we always try to look, like Corey said, try to plant the seeds, have the conversation early. Much easier said than done because most of the time, I don't want to hear about it. Don't, you know, next, next conversation. Fine. Next step is to actually look for what we call trigger events. A trigger event could be, like you mentioned, it could be actually a fall and you're hospitalized. It could be a broken hip and that opens the door to have a conversation that they're in a riskier, uh, unsafe environment. A trigger event could be a neighbor moved to somewhere else. And this was your good friend, and you thought moving to a retirement community is going to be the worst thing in the world, and yet they're having a good time. That's another type of, of trigger event. And um, doctors are actually, they could work in your favor. You know, sometimes the adult kids, when they're doing role reversal, sometimes that doesn't work. It becomes an adversarial situation. They don't want, they think there's ulterior motives. They want their inheritance. Da, 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 da. Well, sometimes... Um, you get authority figures like a doctor saying, you know what, Mr. So-and-so, you're living on three floors. Your bedrooms, you have to climb two sets of stairs. You have a walker, you're in a high-risk situation. We suggest that you might want to look at alternatives. And then sometimes doctors can play or authoritative figures can play a significant role in these trigger events. I'm glad you said that because every week on the show, I, I share a love technique of the week. It's called the labor of love technique. And that's exactly what it is that I wanted to share with you at home. And that is often you will find yourself in conversation with your parents and, and trying to really handle these different situations and challenges that you're going to meet as you want to help your parents transition and be that support for them. And we sometimes forget when we're in this stage that there are medical assistants, doctors out there, and they probably have their own physicians. And it's always best to go to their physician, go to somebody that they know that they, they respect, and that they feel confident in, and have this conversation with that person. Let them lead your parent to where it is that really they should consider going. It's, it's a perspective that we can't give our family members, our loved ones. And often exactly what Matt said is, that's the step that you should should take. So this week, if you find yourself in this position where you want to support your parents and you need to help them open up to a different perspective, reach out, reach out to their clergy, reach out to their doctor and let them approach the conversation and help you along with it. That's what they're there for. Um, Corey and Matt, I want to continue this conversation because it's, it's, it's so important. And I want to go into the next stage after the break as to really how to incorporate our beloveds, our partners into this, where if they're long-term that they don't feel all of a sudden shunned. And if there's someone new in your life, how to bring them in to help you embrace and, and meet the challenges of being the sandwich generation. We're going to keep talking about this right here on Pillow Talk with Cheryl with Matt and Corey coming up. The future of online TV is here. 
you exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. listening to Pillow Talk with Cheryl. If you have a question or comment about the show, send an email to info at CherylBesner.com. That's info at Cheryl, B-E-S-N-E-R.com. Now, back to Pillow Talk. This is Pillow Talk with Cheryl, and yep, I'm Cheryl, and we are talking about being part of the sandwich generation with Corey and Matt. And Corey, just before we were talking about, you know, kids and, and how to involve them, let's talk a little bit about our partners, whether they're long-term or new partners in our lives. And especially like, let's say long-term, we'll start with that first, because often, you know, we have a relationship with our partner and then we're focusing on our kids. And now all of a sudden we have to focus on our parents. That could let that person feel out of the loop if we're we're really tied into everything and turning ourselves like pretzels how do you address that i think that uh, as in any really good relationship it's about communication it's about being able to say even the tough stuff that you might think could cause conflict but we're all we all want to avoid conflict i don't want to say anything that's going to upset you except so you're thinking it and your behavior is exhibiting it but you're not saying it so Get the elephant out of the room and say, uh, if there's something that you need or want from your partner and you feel you're not getting it, say it. Then you can share with me. If I'm saying that to you, your partner can say, well, this right now, I know I'm not paying as much attention to our relationship, but as you can see, there's this, 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 and this going on. So it's sharing with them and both being honest about what's going on in your lives. But, you know, I'll always say it is essential in any relationship. So self-care was number one, but number two is making time for that relationship and not forgetting how important that relationship is. And just as Matt had a story recently, I was very busy organizing an event for something for uh, uh, Camp Aaron, a project I'm involved in. And my husband was unbelievable, but I don't even know if I like said hello to him <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> and at one point after the event, I sent him an email 
And I said to him, I just need you to know that I recognize that I was completely out of the loop, that I, I know every little thing that you did for me to help this event happen and who you are. And I so appreciate you and I thank you. It's remembering the little stuff just to say, I love you. You're fantastic because that's all people want is to feel recognized, validated and part of something. We can't always give 100 percent to everybody at all the time. But I think if you recognize and put aside some time and uh, validate when you're not doing it, that goes a long way. You know, uh, Brene Brown did a, a whole talk on vulnerability, but one of the things and the reason I'm going to this is um, she told a story about swimming across a lake with her husband and she decided to be vulnerable and say to him, you know, I love you in the middle of it. And he turned around and said, yeah, the lake's great and kept swimming. And then it happened a second time. And when she finally got back to the dock, uh, she said, you know, okay, wait, What's going on here? And she had all these things going on in her head. And I'm going to this because of assumption. You know, sometimes we create things, right? And she was saying that her husband, you know, she had it that, you know, he hadn't seen her in a swimsuit for years and maybe he wasn't attracted to her. And and in reality, he was having a panic attack and he was counting his strokes as a swimmer. He was just concentrated on that. So he never heard what she was saying. So I, I think you know, not assuming Mm -hmm. that the other person knows where you are, knows what you're thinking, knows whether to give you support, knows whether to back off while you're in this, you know, in this like channel of of wind that's going around and that's just blowing you everywhere. Uh, I think you're right. In anything, it's about communication. Do you want to add something to that, Matt? Yeah, Cheryl, we see this all the time, particularly in the Sandwich Generation especially when they have parents with higher levels of care. You get into this zone, almost into a fog where I got to take care of mom. I got to take care of dad, making supper. I got the kids. And you go into this zone where, well, he should understand um, I'm doing all these things and it's, it's normal because you, you're going, but just to simply acknowledge and it, it could be role reverse. It could be the husband. It could be the wife, but a simple acknowledgement saying, you know what? You know, I've been trying to take care of him. I'm in survival mode. Mom, the doctor gave a cancer diagnosis. I, I don't, I'm in panic. But a simple acknowledgement that I haven't been there, um, but I am there. And then even to a point where, you know, we talk about date nights and, and so on, especially in the highest levels of care, when you are in that really tough area, imagine just saying, you know what, let's schedule a date night. Put it in the calendar. It's in writing. And the other spouse will remember, my goodness, you know, if they acknowledge what they're going through and now you're taking the time to do a date night, that will actually make the relationship even more solid. Uh, but it, it's a matter of trying to acknowledge and get it in writing. I'm a big, we, we find excuses. Oh, I'm so busy. Get it in writing. Put it in your calendars together. We're going to make this happen regardless. You know, I always tell people, date your mate forever, right? Like, just you got to make sure that you date your mate forever. Don't take take them for granted and, and show the gratitude and appreciation. And I think that it's very specific also when we're talking about new people coming into our lives. You know, they're just adjusting to us and our lives. And then you throw kids into it. And then, oops, all of a sudden, your parents are need help. It's like, where do I fit in? And I, it's the most important thing after yourself that you make time 
for this relationship. Corey, I, I know you're shaking your head there going, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I loved your story too, because what happens is you, you get in your own head, right? And so you get insulted by the, what seems like a dismissal or being dismissed, but no, here's the news flash. It's not always about you. <laughs> you know? right. The number one, that, but also rec- for the person who is working and, and, and in the zone, that safety zone of, of um, I have to get these things taken care of, absolutely true, is to remember that there are other people around. And you alluded to that earlier about you don't have to do this alone. No. And, and yet, you're, you know, especially, again, even if it's a long-term partner or a new partner, you've never faced this together. Like you, you went into having kids and, and or job changes and all these other things, but this is something new. And together, you're, you go through it. Like you have to have this communication to be able to go through it together because otherwise that's where you start drifting apart, right? I, I agree. Yeah. The, the role of, of a new partner uh, is probably the toughest role in a sandwich generation. There, yeah. there, you, you have to put yourself in the backseat for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, to understand the situation. And that's not easy to do, particularly for the new partner. But um, you don't want to be in a position where all of a sudden you're creating an adversarial role from mom because this new person is in the picture. And, and uh, so it's tough. You really have to check your ego at the door a little bit and, and, uh, yeah. and try to be supportive as best you can. And especially, you know, again, from what I see working with people and from myself, you know, because I, I learn from my own experiences as much as reading and, and through other people um, and those conversations, it's, always, it's also about sharing what it is with that person from a, a vulnerable perspective mm-hmm. that you might not have shared before. And especially in these new relationships, there's often times where you're like, oh, my God, it might sound too needy and, and they won't know how to deal with that. So we have to have complete openness when it comes to that. So that, sorry, what we, sorry, I'm sorry, openness, you said it, openness, vulnerability and trust. Yeah. Trust is a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Trust is a big one. And that goes for everything that we're doing. And I think that's really important for our parents and our children also within this, that they trust that we're all doing this for the best interest of our parents. I want to say thank you to both of you. There, this could go on and on. Corey, how do people get in touch with you? Your book, Someone Died, Now What? is on Amazon, right? Oh, yeah, Amazon, you can get that. Or my website, CoreySirota.com, C-O-R-R-I-E-S-I-R-O-T-A.com. Email Corey at CoreySirota.com. Happy to hear thank from you. Thank you so much, Corey. And Matt, if somebody needs your service, and so many of us, I'm sure, do in this transition with our parents, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. My organization is called Lianus Services. Best way is by the website Lianus, which is, by the way, is an acronym of the three kids, Lisa, Anthony, and Excel. So L-I-A-N-A-S, Lianus, then the word services.com. Thank you both. And um Everybody, by the way, remember that they also host a show, Life Unrehearsed, on CJD 800 in Montreal. You can tune into it. What night are you on again where they can go live? Sundays, 4 o'clock or on CJD.com, anywhere in the world. There you go. Listen to their show. It's fantastic. I've been on it. And these two people always have something interesting to share. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. 
And now this is our time and our private, intimate moment here on Pillow Talk, where I share with you something each week that hopefully will inspire you, take you inside, have you think about things possibly from a new perspective. So this week, I wrote this for you, and it's called Belonging. I work through the different avenues of my mind. Heart pounds with a rhythmic beat of uncertainty. I crave to know where I belong and how to fit in. Longing for the answers to such questions still eludes me. Like a mirage in the desert, I see the imagery of where I belong. I want to move towards my paradise. Fear of quicksand is holding me back. How do I want to live my life? I wish to choose joy and purpose, but that life seems so far away in the distance. Can I make the journey to where I belong? When I get there, will I fit in? I continue down the corridors of the maze in my head, anticipation of what I might find around the next corner of my soul searching. A door appears, beckoning me to enter into its light. I reach for the knob, turning it with caution. Could this lead me to where I belong? As I push the door slowly, a feeling deep in my soul starts to awaken. My legs feel strong as I step into the space that's familiar, and I see a mirror on the wall. There is a voice whispering in my ear, see into the glass and your question will be answered. The reflection of my belonging is there in full glory to gaze upon. Fitting in is about conforming and has no place in my true being. Belonging starts and stops with you. Believe in who you are and will bring you to where you belong. Belonging to your identity and purpose. Belong to yourself before anything else. You belong right here, now. I am me and I am where I belong. I hope that inspires you to belong to yourself. Don't fit in. That's conforming to society. And you have to live the way you need to live in this lifetime. So this week, don't forget, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more inspiration, more advice, and more tips on how you can keep moving forward in this life. And I look forward to sharing more with you next week here on Pillow Talk with Cheryl. And until then, remember, keep it simple and stimulating because we all know it's all about that kiss. Good night, everybody. Thanks for being here. Pillow Talk with Cheryl Besner will be back next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll want to make sure you're back for more great Pillow Talk. Oh, 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 o